Good morning. So, put your hand up if you have tried Couch to 5K. Few, no, not as many as I thought. Oh, that surprised me. Well, me and my wife, Catherine, we took up Couch to 5K a few years ago, and we got to 5K, which was brilliant. Kath went on to do further. I couldn't be bothered. Um, I've come to the conclusion that I don't like running. It's just not something I enjoy. Um, I appreciate that it has benefits to my health and my fitness, but I've just found better ways of staying fit and healthy, like riding a bike or going to the gym. So that's my chosen thing. Also, these things, treadmill. I'm, I've never preached from a treadmill before. This could either go very, very well or really, really badly. It'll be memorable for one or two things. It'll be memorable because it'll be the first person ever to have preached on a treadmill, potentially, or it'll be the first person to end up in A&E whilst preaching. Let's see how we go. Um, there's a quote about life from a guy called David Gerald, and it says this, life is hard. Then you die, then they throw dirt in your face, and then the worms eat you. Be grateful that it happens in that order. Life starts off as a pretty horrific journey. You know, anybody who has ever had a child, most children don't realize what they're about to face. They're quite happy just living inside their mother's belly and just drinking all the stuff that they drink. Does anybody find that it gets weird that babies have hiccups? I find that strange. But anyway, in the tomb, in the, in the, tomb, in the womb. Um, so anyway, apparently this journey is quite traumatic for the baby. And eventually they pop out. And also apparently it's quite traumatic for the mothers as well. Um, I'll leave that one there. So life starts with quite an interesting journey for the baby. And as life progresses, you know, they spend their lives crying, pooing, wetting themselves, needing winding, sleeping. That's basically the general pattern of a baby's life for the first year or so. Then maybe they start to walk and life begins to get a little bit more interesting. And as it gets more and more interesting, then they start to make little friends. Perhaps they go off to school. And as they go off to school, life begins to get interesting a bit more. And they grow up and they find teachers and they find friends and they go to parties and they go to all different kinds of things. Eventually, they graduate from school and they get to school and they go to college or maybe apprenticeships. What you, thank you. And then suddenly... Somebody comes along and suddenly places something else upon you. Perhaps you need to go out and find a place to live because you've gone to university. You've gone to university. Suddenly you're no longer living at home. And as you're not living at home, you've suddenly got to find out that you've got bills to pay. You've got to do your own cooking. You've got to do your own washing. You've got to do lots of other things as well. Thank you. And as... Life continues. Things start to get faster and faster and faster. Then maybe you get a job. And as you start to get a job, life gets faster and faster. And suddenly you're on this treadmill of life that doesn't seem to want to stop. And it doesn't seem to slow down, but continues to get faster and faster. 
Maybe you get a partner. Maybe you settle down, maybe you buy a house, and boy, mortgages or rent, that's something that you've got to start to look at, isn't it? And as you start to look at it, life gets faster and faster because you've got to start paying all your bills. You've got to keep going until finally you've perhaps got this job, you've got children, maybe. And as children come along, life gets faster and faster and faster and a little bit faster. Then suddenly, maybe, you've got to start running all around the place. Maybe you've got to start running just to keep pace with all the life that you've got going on. Told you it could go wrong. Anyway. Then suddenly all these worries might start getting on. Maybe there's a chance that you might lose your job. Maybe one of your children gets ill. Maybe you get ill. Maybe your parents get ill. Maybe you start to need to become a carer for your parents. And suddenly life just speeds up, speeds up, speeds up. And then a nice friend gets in touch with you and sends you a text and says something like this. Oh, I know what you're going through. But you know what? With prayer and petition, give everything to God. And all you want to do, because you've got no headspace, it's just slap them in the face because they've really done your head in. You know all that stuff, but you know what? Oh, I think I've almost done enough now. Life is going so fast. But on a treadmill, you've got something called a stop cord. When you've had enough, you just pull it. I could have gone really wrong. And life needs to stop. I'm having a drink. Ah, Amen. See you tomorrow. You need to pull the stop cord. You need to say, hang on. I can't do this. I've had enough. Here's the big thought for today's message, and it's this. Our God is big enough to oversee the whole world and loving enough to care about you. Our God is big enough to oversee the whole world and love enough to care about you. You do not need to carry the weight of the world. You do not need to keep up with the pace of life that seems to be going so fast because God has it all in hand. Psalm 46.10 says this. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. The context around this psalm can be read in Second Chronicles 32 and also in 2 Kings 19. Basically what was going on at this time when this psalm was written. 
the ruler of Assyria had surrounded Jerusalem with almost 200,000 uh, men in his army. Now these men were the most barbaric men and army that the world has ever seen. You know Liam Neeson in uh, Taken? His line is, um, I have a very particular set of skills, skills that make me a nightmare to you. This was this army. This army had a particular set of skills. One of the things that they used to do was send in tablets of stone, and they would send it in, and it would pictorially tell them what they would do to them once they had defeated their army. So they would um, basically skin them, do all kinds of barbaric things to them once they had been defeated. So Jerusalem was surrounded by the most barbaric army of its time. And that's when this was written. Let's read the entire of Psalm 46. It says this, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on, in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. God of Jacob is our fortress. So when you feel life is overtaking you, when you feel that you cannot continually keep running on this treadmill of life, one of the things that God wants you to know is that he is your refuge, that he is your strength. He is an ever-present help in trouble. trouble. Ever-present help in trouble, the same God that said that then is saying that to you today. He is your ever-present help. Translated from the Hebrew, it's referring to a discovery. What he's saying is that he wants you to discover this refuge, discover this help that he has for you. You have to walk in it to discover and understand what he's trying to do. It's not something that somebody can tell you about. You have to walk in it. It's a bit like salt and pepper chips. Trust me, I'm going somewhere with that. Okay, salt and pepper chips never made it past um, junction 17 of the M6. So I lived in, uh, just off junction 16 of Stoke-on-Trent, that's where, of, of the M6, that's where we used to live. And then, we moved up here, hadn't heard of salt and pepper chips. Then one Friday night after youth, I was taking one of the youth leaders home and he said to me, I've been up since six o'clock that morning and it's now 10 to 11 at night. I'd done a full day's work in Manchester and he's saying to me, let's go and grab some salt and pepper chips. 
And I'm like, I want to go to bed. I am tired. I've had a very long day. And you want me to have some salt, some chips with salt and pepper on. I've got other things to be doing. He says, no, you need to try them. So on the way to Warrington, I, we stopped off at this uh, chip shop. And he got me a bag of salt and pepper chips. I dropped him off home. And then I went back to our house. Kath was there. And she's like, what have you got? I said, I've got some salt and pepper chips. She says, what are them? I said, I've no idea. But apparently we've got to try them. So we tried them. Wow. How did I live 40 years without salt and pepper chips? They were amazing. But I wasn't interested in salt and pepper chips until I tasted them, until I'd experienced them, until I discovered them. And that's what God is like. You don't know until you've tried. You don't know until you've discovered and walked in the salt and pepper chips way of God. I'm not sure that's biblical, but we'll run with it. You have to walk and discover to get the idea of who God is. Our God is big enough to oversee the whole world and loving enough to care about you. But we've got to make sure that we pull the stop cord to experience it. We've got to make sure that that life that speeds up as you get older doesn't overtake us. And we have to pull that stop cord. So firstly, what do we need to do once we have um, pulled that stop cord? Well, first thing we need to do is be honest. In all of our busyness... God knows our mind and knows our heart. Don't try fobbing him off with where, you, where you're supposed to be in God. If you are low, tell God. If you are depressed, if you are suffering from anxiety, tell God. Tell God what is on your heart and what is in your mind because that is, has to be our starting point when we pull that ripcord. We have to say to God, God, this is me, warts and all. Pour out your frustrations. Share them with him. But don't let that be all that you do. Sometimes we can go into prayer and we can just dump a whole load of stuff and then we just move on. Don't let that be it. Psalm 46 says, be still. Next thing we need to do is we need to put that into practice. We need to be still. Take a breath. Luke 5.16 says that Jesus often withdrew to pray. I'm so glad that we don't hear what Jesus is praying about. I'm so glad that we don't know how Jesus prayed. He taught the disciples with the Lord's Prayer. This is an example of prayer. But I wonder how much of that time Jesus spent before the Father in just being still. It can be difficult though, can't it? To be still in God's presence. It can feel awkward. But persist in that stillness. The last thing I feel that we want to do or ought to do once we've pulled the stop cord is be present. It is so easy to be distracted when we come before God. The phone can ping. The kids can scream. 
Something else is always trying to gain your attention. Whilst I was preparing for this, my phone was on my desk next to me and there was various things going on, WhatsApp, this, that and the other. And I was like, this is our... So I just flipped it onto airplane mode and just had some time without that distraction. In staff meetings, we do this devotion on a Tuesday morning and at the beginning, at the end, we pause. First few times was a bit weird. Suddenly... I didn't even know there was a clock in the room until that moment. And I could just hear it ticking. And it was the longest two minutes we'd ever had as a staff team, I'm sure. The other time was I was listening to the radio and a song came on the radio and we were in this um, moment of pausing and all that was in my head were the lyrics to this song. And it really annoyed me. Because I just couldn't get out of it. I couldn't remember what it was, but it was something like the Proclaimers or something crazy. And I just could not get it out of my head. Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Now that isn't just about being still. It's more of a wake-up call. It's more of a call to withdraw and understand the awesomeness of God. It's about meditating on who God is to realize things like God spoke the world into being. Colossians 1 16 and 17 says this For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. He holds all things together. Our God is big enough to oversee the whole world and love enough to care about you. This message comes out of something that I was experiencing in about 2009, 2010. Uh, We were leading a church down in Stoke and as a church, we'd gone through quite a big, difficult time. We had to make some people redundant and various other things that was going on because of a legacy that was left to us. And it was a really hard time. And I really felt God speaking to me through this verse about being still. And with the church's permission and the family's permission, I took five days out and went and stopped in a caravan on the North Wales coast. And I was still. For five days, I prayed I read and meditated on God's work. The only time I conversed with anybody was if I was going into a shop or something like that. I spent time alone with God and it completely transformed my understanding of prayer and also of Psalm 46. I had the opportunity to be still and discover who God was. A God is big enough to oversee the whole world and love enough to care about you. The problem is, is when we stop, we feel like we're not doing anything. The problem is when I'm still, I can't fix anything. When I'm still, I don't have a voice or I don't feel important. Going back to this story in Jerusalem, when it was under siege, when this 
psalm was written. The king was Hezekiah at the time. His reaction to being surrounded was to pray. It wasn't to train his men. It wasn't to gather all arms. It was to pray because he realized he could not fix the situation. He realized that the situation was overtaking him. The king of Assyria had mocked Israel, had mocked God. And he also had the power to overcome the armies of Israel. So he prayed. And sometimes when you are going through life, and sometimes when a diagnosis comes in, and as that diagnosis comes in, life starts to speed up. Perhaps when there's a chance that you might be made redundant, perhaps the cost of living is really getting to you. Perhaps the car fails, it's MOT. Perhaps you don't get the results that you need to get into university. And life just keeps getting faster and faster and faster. But maybe on this occasion, God is saying to you, pull the stop cord, be still and know that he is God. God is big enough to oversee the whole world and loving enough to care about you. The story finishes that God sends an angel and completely decimates the army of Assyria and Jerusalem was saved. So stop running. Pull the stop cord. Stop striving. Pull the stop cord. Be still and know. Know what? Know that he is God. Know that he is powerful. Know that he's all-knowing. That he is with you an ever-present help in trouble. He is your refuge. He is your strength. Be still and know that the God that created you and saved you didn't abandon you, but he is with you. Our God is big enough to oversee the whole world and loving enough to care about you. In the busiest of life, God is big enough. In the darkness, God is big enough. When the battle is raging against your life, when these things try and come and overtake you, pull the stop cord and understand that God is big enough. Our God is big enough to oversee the whole of the world and loving enough to care about you. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Be still. Don't withdraw from all life. Be drawn to God. Because those things might still be there But in God, you know when you've withdrawn and been still before him that he is big enough to oversee the whole world and loving enough to care.
about you. He loves you. He has not abandoned you. He is for you. But we need to pull the stop cord out of the busyness of life and withdraw and know, have a revelation of who God is, that he is your refuge and ever-present help in trouble. Be still and know that he is God and he is your God and he loves you. He's got everything else sorted. You don't need to carry the weight. He loves you enough to even with all that stuff that he's got going on to care about you.